0: Hello and welcome to the Doctor Who pod. I am Si, and alongside me, as always, and very similar to last week, a little worse for wear, is our good friend Mister Dan Griffin. How hanging
1: are you today? I am hanging out of my arse so badly you may as well call me a hemorrhoid. And I really, <laughs> I really, I really, I really wish I'd saved that line for the recording. So that was the first time you hear it because he got a much bigger laugh before uh, when I set it off. Air. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, Tried to complete the pickling of my brain last night at, uh, at North Wrestling. Uh, it's one of my favourite promotions. First time I've been back there since uh, well, since before COVID. So, may have hit the bottle a wee bit hard. But what are you going to do when a wrestling show is in a brewery? Well, be rude not to, mate, wouldn't it? Be rude not to. Yeah, if, if I've not learnt self-restraint by now, I'm never going <laughs> to. No, exactly.
0: That's the thing, when you get to a certain age, just like, you know, I'm, I'm 41 now. I, I drink too much. I act like a prat. If I've not learnt by now, I ain't going to learn. This is just who I am, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, you do silly things like uh, a friend of mine forgot to um, uh, forgot to reset a watch. You know, this, uh, this morning as we were going to leave Newcastle, uh, yeah. you know, that's a bit of a silly thing to do. It comes with age. you a bit like you know, thinking you've thrown away notes and finding them again.
0: Oh, mate! Don't even start me on that. <laughs> it, yeah. I'll, just, I'll tell you what; I can add a little bit to that. For those who are unaware, this episode of the Doctor Who pod we're looking at the Dalek invasion of the Earth. Uh, a William Hartnell story from way back when and it was supposed to be the classic who episode last week however I lost my notes so we decided to change it up a little bit did the new who last week with the view of re-watching this making my notes again and having it ready for this week last night I sent down a picture of my notebook that I just found and it had been literally on my desk all along just under a couple of picture frames so it was there all along. But we didn't have to do delay. I didn't have to tr- make plans to re-watch it, anything like that. And then to top it off, I come upstairs to to set the laptop up and send the link over to Dan and get ready to start recording. And literally, just as I'm sending the link over, I realised I had lost my notes again. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to run downstairs. I was like, shit, where have I left them? But they were back on my desk again downstairs. So, yeah, I've got them. They're not very readable. I don't know what I was doing whilst I was watching it last time, around, but I've got them. So, <laughs>
1: You might have been in a, the same state I was last night while you were making those notes. <laughs> yeah, potentially. <laughs> I'm just waiting so, so for... Uh... What, what did you think of, of part one of this serial? Uh, well, according to my notes, I've put Mpuff Nufguff it. <laughs> yeah,
0: so my you know a disgrace at the best of times. So this looks even worse. So I'm going to power through. But there we go. Yes. Um, that's right then. So today we are looking at the Dalek invasion of Earth. This is our uh, William Hartnell story for our first season, originally broadcast in November 1964. Not the first Dalek story, obviously. That one was in the very first series of Doctor Who. This is one that's kind of quite iconic, I guess. There's quite a few clips and moments from this serial that gets replayed even today with the Daleks in certain locations and so
1: on. Uh, Dan, what did you think of this? I really enjoyed it, uh, from what I remember, because uh, I haven't had time to rewatch it when I watched yeah. it about a month ago. <laughs> um, it was one of the longer ones. Uh, I think this was a mm. six-parter, so it made it about two hours in total. But um, yeah, it flew by. It was it was really really interesting seeing um, uh, just seeing Hartnell do his thing. Uh, one of the first notes I made of sort of any sort of great consequence was that there was in the first, at least in the opening part of it, there was a lot more warmth. From the doctor than I was expecting, okay. Because by reputation, from reputation, uh, we mentioned it in the Capaldi episode, I believe. the The sort of reputation of Hartnell's doctor, he was, he was very sort of stuffy and old fashioned and hmm. um, stern. I think is the word. You know, stern and a bit cold. But it was, um, yeah, it was surprising that that he wasn't like that all the time, especially at the start of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean. I think over time Hartnell's Doctor softened, especially especially at like the very end of his run where he had completely new companions to the first set of companions. I mean, what we see here in the, in this serial is effectively the first group of people to travel in the TARDIS. We've got William Hartnell's Doctor and then we've got Susan, who is the Doctor's granddaughter and we have Barbara and we have Ian, two teachers from Susan's school. And this was like effectively the first group of people and we see one of these companions leave during this series. Was the first companion to leave the show. Uh, Ian and Barbara leave a while after this as well, but the doctor still carries on for William Hartnell. So he still carries on as a doctor for a while and has newer companions with him. I suppose that kind of warmth, you know, or, or not being as stern potentially, because he's still a bit of a grouchy old git, isn't he? Let's be honest. But <laughs> uh, he's he, Having a slightly warmer side to him potentially makes it easier to get new companions involved otherwise it'd be a case of well why would anyone want to go with that great child git?
1: yeah he's kind of he's realized that he likes traveling with people he likes the company and mm. he's had to uh had to adjust his uh, his sort of the, the way he approaches people i suppose yeah yeah
0: um with regards to the intro then we always have a look at the intros and so on it's not massively dissimilar to the patrick triton tale we saw i guess but uh, what were your thoughts on the, this intro? That was the original intro, isn't it, to to Doctor Who yeah. as it
1: started off? It's um, it's quite haunting, really, I mm. think, uh, this version. It's uh, the, I like the sort of, it looks almost like a lava lamp. With yeah. The effect they've got going on in the background. Um, except I think it might be sort of some image like mirrored on itself, you know, side by side, le- left to right. Um, and the uh, sort of the writing appearing through the reverse of itself was really cool as well. It was um, Mm. a bit more sort of uh, innovative and a bit more advanced than I'd maybe expect for for 64.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. And I I really like, I suppose it's going to be, I'm probably going to say it over and over throughout our sort of look back on this, this serial, but I really like how, it sounds contradictory, but I really like how dated this is normally when people say about things being dated and and old-fashioned is it's not always a good thing especially when it comes to television but i really like how dated this is because it's not it's not like it's old and looks crap it's old and looks old so they can get away with it looking a bit crap at times because of the age of it i guess does that make sense
1: think i know what you're driving at you, you're taxing my uh my pickled brain cells a little bit with that. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, i think i get where you're coming from it's it's old it looks of its time but that doesn't make it mm. bad and even yeah, when it it's is a nostalgia even, even, thing as well it's yeah and even when it is a little bit bad you just think it it's it adds to the charm
0: yeah there you go spot on yeah it does it adds to the charm everything about it i mean there are i mean as the as the episodes go i mean like dan said there's six episodes to this there are issues with it. There are times when people are talking and you can't see them properly because somebody stood in front of the camera. There are occasions where that there seems to be like timing issues where people are running to a certain location and they get surprised by a Dalek or something along those lines. And then rather than escape or even say anything, they literally just stand there waiting for the Dalek to, to, to effectively gun them down. And it seems a bit off from there. But again, it's, it is kind of the charm to it because it was very much just starting out. Doctor, Doctor Who was only a year old at this point. Mm. So, you know, it, 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 had a long way to go, I guess.
1: Yeah, it did. And um, there's always going to be issues like that. You know, if, they, if they're trying out some new techniques or new, new editing or new, you know, new technology, even there's going to be things that, that happen. But, um, one of my first sort of major notes as well is, uh, after the TARDIS has materialized, they, um, uh, one of the windows appears to have fallen in, inwards on uh, one yeah. side. And I think that's <laughs> sort of the first major set fault that we've had.
0: I'll tell you what, that is spot on. I put it on again this afternoon, just to sort of refresh my memory as I was doing a bit around the house and so on. And my middle daughter came in from a football match, walked in, sat down, looked at the telly and went, how is it travelling through space if its windows are open? <laughs> she just happens to walk in at that moment. And I was like, oh,
2: yeah,
1: because it is explain, odd, isn't, isn't it? it? Did you explain to her about the atmospheric shell around the TARDIS? I, no, I just
0: said it, it just does. <laughs> she wasn't really that interested. She, she, Honestly, if I've got Quantum Leap on or if I've got Doctor Who on or anything like that, literally everybody else in the house rolls their eyes and goes to a different roommate. She's not that bothered. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but if you start explaining stuff like that, it might facilitate the process and then you get to watch it in peace quick.
0: Well, I suppose, I suppose. I mean, my wife does tolerate quite a bit of it, to be fair. But um, the older I go, so I suppose Hartnell era being the oldest, the older I go, the less tolerant she is. I think.
1: No, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fair enough. It's
0: not for everybody. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. Um, the the serial the, the the well episode one starts with quite a dramatic, striking uh, I suppose scene, doesn't it? We've got mm. what we eventually learn are uh, referred to as uh, a Robo Man very Cyberman-esque, I guess, with the way they move and the, the metal fittings to their head. Just literally walking towards the river, a big sign up behind him saying no dumping bodies in the river, which is quite ominous as well. Mm. He starts pulling at the, the headgear that he, he has attached and effectively just walks into the water and drains himself. And that's, you know, I mean, this is going to be tea time-ish, I guess. Saturday afternoon television, family all gathered around the telly in 1964, and there's some dude with a silver helmet on drowning himself first thing straight away. I mean, how, yeah. how did that sort of to me? It sets the scene for, for the whole series. But what were your thoughts when you first saw that, Dan? Well, my notes just say that got
1: dark fast.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it
1: really did. Like you said, he's it, it looked initially to me like a bit like a hazmat suit. You see the forbidden to dump body sign, and then you see this guy sort of really painfully walking through and he's tearing at the machinery and stuff and he just wades into the river to die yeah you don't know if he's dead before he hits the water or if he's just you know if he's just gone face down to to end it all and it was just oh oh okay wow Mm, yeah well then let's let's find out what the hell's going on here (laughs) i
0: i I don't know but drowning yourself would be a pretty horrific way to take your own life don't get me wrong but is it even possible to do it like that? Just lie face down and die? Wouldn't your natural instincts kind of kick in and get you to lift your head out the water when you're struggling to breathe? Probably. Or so on?
1: Yeah, you. It would. Um, you can drown in in I think four inches of water. It's possible. Mm. Um, to, to be honest, I try not to talk about drowning too much because I had um, a friend of mine uh, ten years ago. He. he had an epileptic fit and uh, fell into uh, fell into a river and drowned. So you worked it, but um, yeah. So it kind of all hits home a little bit. But it obviously, yeah. it, in, at the time, ended up my sort of morbid brain. Uh, I ended up looking into a few, a few little bits about drowning because mm. I'm, I'm just wired a little bit wrong. Uh, so yeah, it's possible <laughs> to it's possible to drown in four inches of water, but your, your body's natural instinct is to fight for air and, and get up you know get up from it um mm. and try and get out of it um so i to be honest i think he was i think he was dead before he hit the water
0: yeah he must be must have been that makes sense the way it's
1: all just glides in you'd think so wouldn't you yeah sorry i'd I turned that even darker than the uh, <laughs> than the, the Robo-Man, roboman
2: yeah
1: <laughs> uh, my other thing with the roboman is when we do eventually uh find out what they are is uh what a 60s name roboman yeah Robo-Man. yeah totally it's like a knockoff toy you, you'd get a petrol station. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> or, or even, uh, what? What is it as well? They refer to as the um the casing that the Daleks are made of. Dalek, dalektanium or Dalekanium, or something like Dalek-anium. that. They refer to. Yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> it's like it's real original. Um, it's the it's the metal that the uh, or the the element that the Dalek casing is made of. So we yeah. call it Dalekanium. But then to be fair scientists and you know on the periodic table that did eventually resort to europium and americium and all and all of this uh, yeah so <laughs> we're, just, we're just running out of names like it's on the fucking dialect it's fucking dialect Yeah. you <laughs> yeah darty darty <laughs> uh,
0: the tardis then arrives in london just after this poor fella's had enough and done himself in the doctor comes out well the, 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 you see the doctor in the tardis and then when he comes out the tardis as well he seems to spend the majority of this first 20 25 minutes just going hmm 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 susan hmm ah hmm doesn't
1: he <laughs> i need to make that a sound clip
0: <laughs> it does that's not what he says He keeps going mm, yes mm. oh my boy mm,
1: mm, mm, mm. <laughs> all the way through the first episode i've never noticed that to be honest but you're 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 absolutely right um they're just it, it's just sort of dusting and making these annoyed little oomph noises. Yeah, at the start, <laughs> and the, like the, one of the—I think it was Barbara—suggests uh, suggests a holiday, um, and all that, and then it, the Doctor just, with the powers of deduction that he possesses, uh, deduces that they're by a river, and uh, <laughs> you know they're thinking it's Earth-like, and um, the Doctor doesn't want to boast, but there may, there may be somewhere in London. Um, yeah. It's just proof that the Doctor's never really been able to uh, to pilot the TARDIS with too much accuracy.
0: I think the gist is that Barbara and Ian are wanting to go home, aren't they? And, yeah, and- the Doctors got them back towards London, but overshot by a few hundred years.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit, because yeah. And the thing as well is, it's so very British when they're, they're there wondering about why it's so quiet and deserted. It's, oh, it must be a Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> as yeah, if exactly. That, it, as if that explains why there's not a cat, not there's not anything going on. The cat hear any voices. There's no sound of it. I know there weren't as many cars around back then, but there's you know, there's not even a bus or anything like yeah. that.
0: I mean, for younger listeners and people not in the UK, it used to be a case of Sunday afternoon. Everything was everything was shut. There was no shops open. Even the pubs would shut in the afternoon, and then reopen for an hour or two in the evening.
1: You had 12 till
0: two. Yep. And then reopen it. I think, was it five or six? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Literally, Sunday afternoon, everywhere closed. There was nothing. It was, it was like, what is it, 28 Days Later, when it's yeah. just <laughs> derelict at the beginning. There's no noise or anything. It, that's oh, what it was
1: like. Sky buddy. I'm so proud of you. You made a movie reference.
0: Yeah, I've seen that film. <laughs> Creeped me <laughs> out a little bit. I'm not going to lie, but I've seen that film. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good one. It's 28 Days Later. Yeah, 28 years later as well, they made it, didn't they? Weeks weeks okay yeah i've seen that i, I only know that because i've got the i've got the double dvd just right up there <laughs> ah i see i see yeah no i enjoyed those films they're quite good bit creepy like they're quite good yeah
1: well you know me I, I like a horror
0: movie
1: yeah yeah robert Carlyle's
0: in it is that right yeah i can i can picture him running across a field and getting chased by dead people is that right is that the yeah, right they're not,
1: they're not they're not dead they're not they're
0: infected with rage oh yeah okay yeah, yeah but, but you know they're zombies, kind of, aren't Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Angry zombies. Yeah. Angry zombies. I mean, I'd be angry if I was a zombie. To be fair,
1: but <laughs> anyway, I think I think I am one of them. <laughs> huh? Basic functions are happening, but there's nothing much behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Barbara uh, Ian, uh, well, the Doctor and Susan as well all, all exit the TARDIS and are looking around. Uh, Susan decides she's going to climb up this, I, I guess it's like a, a bit of wrecked old bridge. They have sort of effectively landed underneath, haven't they? Mm. And I mean, she must weigh, I don't know,
1: 30 tons or something because she pulls down all this scaffolding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she, 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 she weighs about, she must weigh about seven stone wet through with rocks in her pockets. Yeah. She somehow managed to tear down all this, uh, all this rubble and she's knacking her ankle and part of the bridge has collapsed, burying the TARDIS. Although there's yeah. a really there's a conveniently placed trellis, <laughs> like bit of like metal trellis in that you can see. It
0: yeah, Ian then goes on to action man mode and says he's going to move it out the way or use a cutting tool and so on. But you know he's a bit he's a bit too macho for his own suit. There, I think, isn't he?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's when he starts saying he needs an acetylene torch or at the very least a crowbar. Yeah, he, just, he spots the warehouse mate. <laughs> he he spots the warehouse around the corner, and the doctor's just so quietly amused by his optimism hmm mm, mm, Silly boy. Yes, <laughs>
0: maybe Barbara. Uh, well, Susan in the fall has, has hurt her ankle, and I mean, again, I, I love Doctor Who. Any negative things I say about it comes still from a place of love. But my goodness, was this terribly acted? <laughs> it, it wasn't the best, was it? Oh my word! She's got a, a, an awful limp to sell the fact that she's hurt this it hurt her ankle. At one stage, they're saying they're going to go into this warehouse. Susan, can you make it? Can you walk? So she's like, let me try. So she goes and puts her bad ankle on the floor, screams and falls over again. It's just it's just ridiculous stuff. It comes across, to be honest, it comes across like when I would go to school and, and like my kids school and see a play or, or the kids when they were really little would say, mm-hmm. Daddy, we've done a play for you. And I have to sit and watch them do this play. It comes across like that kind of, Acting, that kind of—I suppose, for one of better term—production. I guess you know.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, it, well, back to wrestling again. It wasn't great selling, was it?
0: No, no, it wasn't. Yeah, it was the Doctor just, was, was cross, though, wasn't he?
1: Oh, yeah. But it's just such a—it's just such a trope of that time, you know. The, the, the. Oh, you know, the woman's gone and got herself hurt. What a surprise! It's like, for fuck's sake! I know it's the 60s. that runs through, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, that runs through a little bit, doesn't it? Like Ian and the Doctor have a few occasions where they. I suppose, look at Barbara and Susan or Barbara and Susan are doing something and they kind of look at each other and roll their eyes like, oh, silly women folk. You know, that's kind of, they do that a few times throughout this whole story, don't they?
1: Yeah, and it's, it's complete bollocks really because particularly Barbara ends up being really bloody good. You know, yeah. <laughs> she's like she goes, like full action woman mode. So I, uh, I don't know what the, I don't know what the problem was really, but obviously the doctor, the doctor's got that arrogant streak that runs through him. And I guess Ian's got a bit of it as well. I think they know better.
0: Well, this is it. And and Susan falling, hurting her ankle and burying the TARDIS, apparently, means that she should get told off severely. And the doctor says, what you need is a jolly good smacked bottom,
1: apparently. (laughs) Not, not, no... No, thank you. Uh, no, thank you, doctor. Not for for yeah. for, 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 a, for a woman for a woman who I know she I know she's meant to be at school, but she looks she looks like she's in her mid to, mid to mid to late twenties at this yeah. point. It's like that's just weird and a bit creepy.
0: I think she's is she supposed to be seventeen here, sixteen, seventeen?
1: I don't know, but I don't, I'm still too old.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. It's not all right at all. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, instead of that, they they decide to they treat her bad ankle medically. So Barbara, bless her, is going to go dip her hanky in the river. So she's got a, a dirty, wet, smelly hanky to put on her ankle, and that'll make it better. Yeah. Apparently.
1: I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trust anything that's been dipped in the Thames at the best of times, never mind when there's no. dead robo men in it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Corpse water on your on your swollen ankle.
1: Oh, you never want to hear that phrase, Corpse water. Yeah.
0: That sounds like some sort of really bad death metal band, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're back on the death metal bands again. Yeah, <laughs> we are. Corpse water. <laughs> Thank you, London. Oh, the, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The, the
0: the 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 men, I guess, leave the silly women of Hulk behind, and off they go to check out this warehouse. There's a there's a body floating in the river that the that Barbara and Susan notice as well that freaks them out a little bit, but they're being watched as well, aren't they? Yeah, both both groups of the travelers who are separated, now, that sort what of being spied upon by what we find out eventually is some form of resistance group to the invasion, aren't they?
2: They are,
1: yeah. They're like the uh, the sort of the dwindling rebel forces against the uh, that we'll come to find out against the, the Dalek invasion. But one thing at this point that struck me was. It's only now that they've realised they're not in their own time and it took a body floating in the river and the huge mm. signs about not dumping bodies in the river <laughs> yeah, to do it. It's, come on, guys. Look around. Yeah, not
0: it. not too, Well, you said they were looking for a holiday or potentially trying to get home. Perhaps they were already switched off. They were just already so relaxed. <laughs> They were like, "Yeah, we okay. We're a couple of hundred years, like, but okay, you know."
1: <laughs> yeah, it's about it's about, well, it's about two hundred years out, isn't it? Because the doctor finds a calendar; and it's it's twenty one sixty four.
0: It's not far, not too far away, really, in, in this big scheme of things, is it? I suppose.
1: Well, from this point, years? yeah, from now, one hundred and forty two years. But back then, it was two hundred years on, wasn't it?
0: Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. They yeah. find the doctor and Ian find a body in a box in the warehouse as well. So they're looking for this magical cutting tool or crowbar. Either or, Ian's happy with <laughs> <of either. laughs> uh, And then we see a flying saucer. Now, I was oh. very disappointed with this on BritBox when we watched it back on BritBox, because it, I think it's been edited because you can't see the strings. On the video version, the old VHS tapes that my mate had in the 80s, you could see the strings because it's noticeable even as a child
1: on this flying saucer drifting past, you know? I'm sure I could see the strings. Yeah? But maybe it's just, maybe my mind's just filling in the blanks because I know that they're there. <laughs> yeah, I get you. <laughs> it, was, it was glorious. It was yes. exactly what I wanted from, this goes to your point, this is exactly what I wanted from a show of this age. This is what I wanted the uh, the ship effect to be. A bit of tin on a string with a photo backdrop of London behind it.
0: And you know it's an alien craft because it's making alien craft noise as it it's
1: flies. <laughs> <noises>. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's what I'm gonna start referring to dodgy like sixties um, special effects as just wee woo beep boop.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we got one of those sort of little timing issues here as well. Because obviously you know, it is the footage of the The flying saucer, so to speak, has to be cut in to what the doctor and Ian are looking at. They're stood next to each other and the doctor puts his hand on Ian's shoulder arm and they both look up. And then there's a pause whilst we're looking at Ian and the doctor looking up. That seems like a second or two too long. It seems a bit weird. Then it cuts to a screen with basically nothing in it and the saucer drifts across the screen and disappears. And we cut back to Ian and the doctor again and they're both in the same pose, staring up at the sky again.
1: It's not it's not great, is it? But again, it's sign of the times. I don't think yeah, yeah, I think totally. that's maybe down to maybe down to a bit of dodgy editing. and uh, maybe they just need an extra couple of seconds for the runtime. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't think they did. That's that's
0: my one real complaint. I mean, we'll get to it when we finish sort of looking back, I guess. But it's my one real complaint about this is there are times where there are times where it did drag, I think. Mm. Yeah, you got six episodes here. I think you could have done this story in four, and I still enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, but I think you could have done this this story in four episodes and cut away a lot of the stuff there where people are just kind of milling about. I guess
1: oh, when you said milling about, the word that popped into my mind was meandering. It, it just yeah, it does just toddle along a little bit, doesn't it? At yeah. times, but. So it's still, you know, there was enough in this first episode to build the intrigue, despite the uh, despite despite the issues we have with it. Because there's uh, the uh, Barbara and Susan then get uh, get found by more of the uh, uh, by more of the resistance with a hidden entrance and bits and pieces like that, which was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, the, the hidden entrance. It's a poster, isn't it, of an elephant? And when they touch the tusk of the elephant, this pipe moves back and forwards. But the poster of the elephant has the word vetoed written across it. What, why, what? What's that? I don't understand. Why are they vetoing elephants? What have elephants done?
1: It was probably a circus or something coming to town and the, it, it got vetoed.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So that's like,
1: like, like, like the, we're, we're bringing the circus to town now it's been vetoed by the council.
0: Yeah, that's right. Because then you also got the big poster up saying, don't, don't bother. That actually does make a lot of sense, that. I was just remember looking at it. I didn't twig on with that. I was just looking at this poster, thinking, "What the bloody elephants done to deserve
1: that?" <laughs> I mean, I just made that up off the top of my head. I don't even remember. But seeing it makes perfect ele- sense. I'm I'm really good at rationalising bullshit. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. I'm just thinking, ah, oh, the Daleks got something about African wildlife, have they? What's that about? I don't know. You know, it's, it just seemed really strange. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, oh dear.
0: dear. They're asked as well, aren't they? Barbara and Susan by the members of this resistance group. It's no nonsense. It's literally a case of how can you help us? What, can, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're low on people. We're low on food. We're, we're trying to fight back. We're tired. We're hungry, etc., etc. What can you do? And the first thing they do is because they notice obviously that Barbara and Susan are, are ladies. They turn straight to Barbara and say, without even saying hello, can you cook? And she says, yeah. well, yeah, I can get by. And they turn to Susan and say, what can you do? And she says, I eat.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love that answer. No, that was Susan brilliant. Was, Susan was not having any of that shit.
0: Yeah. Oh man, it's so good. That line was just brilliant. We cut back then to, I suppose, the first cliffhanger of the series in a, at the end of episode one, because we go back to seeing the Doctor and Ian and they're cornered with some Robo-Men, which look like, to be honest, ah. Uh, very incredibly slow-reacting bad guys here. I'm fairly certain the Doctor and Ian could, could have gone away. You know, they don't react very, very quickly to anything, do they, these Robo-Men?
1: Yeah, but it, it, it took the Doctor and Ian and Barbara and Susan three hours to realise they weren't in 1964. Yeah, I suppose. So <laughs> I don't think anybody's too too <laughs> quick on the uptake here. Um, no. But yeah, the Robo-Men, the very... I suppose they've got to make them a bit like robotic, and and in the sixties, you know, that meant slow, it meant mm. plodding, it meant just sort of slow but strong. Yes. So it's it kind of it, it gets a, a bit of a pass in that regard, but they're not exactly threatening or scary.
0: No, not especially when you see how often, how often throughout this story, they're overpowered by mm-hmm. Ian um, or, or you know, you know Captain Action, uh, Ian and various members of the Resistance as well. You see how easy they are overpowered. They're not exactly the most scary, threatening villains it's, they've ever faced, I don't think.
1: It, it's, it's not Toberman taking out the Cybermen with his bare hands. No, no. <laughs> it's, it, it's, <laughs> but we've actually we've, we've missed out a little bit because we've been introduced to um, sort of the brains behind the Resistance, uh, Dortmund.
0: Oh, yeah, in the wheelchair.
1: Yeah, which really annoyed me. His, his name annoyed me. So I just keep, kept wanting to call him Dortmund. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Because the football team. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's even spelled D-O-R-T-M-U-N. Just add the D on the end of it. Yeah, it it's just, like they've just, for, just
0: run out of ink or something. He,
1: he, just, <laughs> he, just, he just needed a little extra D.
0: A little extra D, well, doesn't everyone? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we shouldn't record like, on a Sunday at this time again because it just gets silly because, you know, you're hungover, I'm hungover, and it just gets daft. <laughs> Well, fuck it, we're having fun. Yeah, but it's a serious <laughs> subject matter, mate. They're in peril here with their robotic you know, opponents and the dark's taking <laughs> over Earth. And we're talking about an extra bit of D. <laughs>
1: we can go... We can go back to the doctor and Ian's troubles with the wee woo beat boop if you like. At <laughs> <Yeah, fair point. laughs> oh. that point, But when I say wee woo beat boop, that is exactly what I mean. That kind of dodgy, half robot-looking thing where it's like it's neither here nor there and just not scared, not very threatening or scary. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Even
1: in the sixties, I don't think the Robo Men had been sort of very scared. But then, that's not their job. They're the henchmen. the mm. The real, obviously, the real villains are still lurking. Yeah, the and they background. are kind
2: of,
0: I suppose they are kind of just jobs worse, isn't they, I guess? They just kind of lumber around patrolling, is what they're t- told to do. And when when members of the Resistance or, or any other humans are caught, they kind of just, almost soldier-like, I guess, escort them to places. They don't actually do much killing the, of their own or fighting of their own, I guess. The drones. Yeah. yeah they'd, be they'd, be,
1: they'd be better off with sentient forklifts.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this leads to the first of the really iconic clips that keeps getting replayed and on other stuff. And I bloody loved this. This was fantastic. The, the Doctor and Ian decide we're just going to jump in the water to get away from th- this, this collection of Robo-Men that apparently have them cornered. But there's about three or four other ways they can run away, but we'll, we'll just ignore that. They apparently have them cornered. <laughs> So the Doctor and Ian turn to run into the water and a Dalek is coming out the Thames and you just see the top of its head, helmet, whatever. The dome. The dome, yeah. Just peeking through the surface of the water and then it rises a little bit more, a little bit more, cuts to Ian and the Doctor looking shocked, cuts back, the Daleks virtually all out of the water. Oh, it's just so symbolic and, and it just it's, it's such an iconic image, isn't it?
1: It is very cool, and it's a great cliffhanger to end the episode on. Because you have this great moment where the Doctor and Ian are there, saying, "Right, we're going to have to take our chances in the river." And they turn around, and it's there, just rising out of the drink. Yeah. Just we've, told, we've had a lot. We've had a laugh at like you know how rubbish the Robo Men look and the, the the flying saucer and, and the TARDIS um, window going in a bit, but this was spot on.
0: Like you imagine in sixty four. You, you've seen the Daleks already in Doctor Who, so you're aware of what they are, of who they are. But they're on an alien planet in in the first story. They're in, they're on Scarrow still. Mm-hmm. So you see these Robo men. There's talk about the what's going on with the the revolution and so on. But you don't actually know yet mm-hmm. that Daleks are going to be appearing on your TV screen. There's no there's no adverts and spoilers saying this. It is it, literally what it is in sixty four, and then that comes out the water at the end of the first
1: episode. Oh, could you imagine being a kid and seeing that? Yeah, oh, I'd be bouncing around the living room. I'd absolutely love it. I, I, I knew, obviously knew we were going to get Daleks in this, but for that reveal, yeah, it, they, they got that absolutely right.
0: It was gold. It, it was so good. And here, I think the the almost datedness of the show, the black and whiteness, the sort of ageing of the show, helps because the water... It's dirty water. I mean, for a it's the Thames. It's not the cleanest of the best of times, is it? Let's be fair. No. But this is the Thames with, like, a load of dead robomen and stuff in it. And then... <laughs> so the water's a dark colour, but the black and white TV makes the water look almost black. Mm. And then this Dalek comes up underneath it, and the Dalek's a lighter colour. It's Everything about it just works so well.
1: Yeah, it's a really nice contrast uh, between the, the sort of the black and the grey and mm. the, very, the varying different shades. It, yeah. I can't really fault anything about it. Yeah, it's so good.
0: That's the end of the the first episode. So the second episode obviously starts very much in the same scene. The Dalek is um, declaring that they are the rulers of the universe and they've invaded Earth and they've taken Earth and so on. The Doctor turns to Ian and says, "Mm, I think we should pit our wits against them and defeat them. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's a good shake, Doctor. You know, was, uh, <laughs> thank uh, yeah, you, Captain the, Obvious. <laughs> yeah.
1: but, but there was a, a bit before this where I thought it was really, really good from Hartnell because the Doctor says that the Dalek better let them go. And then he goes, don't release prisoners. We are the masters of the earth. And Hartnell just stands there and goes, not for long. Yeah. and so it, was long. Really, it, it was just really wonderfully assured. Yeah. Just and a little just, throw. Yeah. Him, just, yeah. So confident
0: in himself, I guess.
1: Yeah. Just uh, not for long. Yeah, I shall, I shall fuck a few up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And this is this this me up as well. It was like a teacher at school when you're whispering stuff and so on. As as the doctors turn into me and saying, "I think we should pit our wits against them, and then we shall defeat them." The the doctor turns around and goes, "I can hear you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know what you're plotting." (laughs) Yeah, but then he goes on and like starts trying to goad him as well. Mm. Because the Dalek's saying about conquering the Earth and resistance is useless, and then the Doctor's taking the piss, saying the conquest isn't complete till all living matter is destroyed. It's like, don't give them ideas.
0: Yeah, don't point them in that direction, we're crying out loud.
1: Yeah, oh, we
0: do. The, the survivors of the invasion, I guess, the the, the rest of the uh, resistance, I suppose. I couldn't think of the word there. What a proper little brain fart I had then. The resistance, <laughs> we see them discussing plans about taking the the Daleks on and they are building these these bombs and they're talking about this bomb as though it's you know gonna destroy all the Daleks it's their their big top secret weapon it couldn't look any more unflattering or unsuitable for the purpose if it had Acme written on the side and was being presented by
1: Wally Coyote <laughs> it looked like somebody painted an apple silver
0: yeah it did with just a, with an old fashioned um, fuse sticking out the top of it
1: yeah it was it was cartoonish, it was really, bit, mate. but it wasn't. To, to a degree, to a degree, it kind of has to look like it's been cobbled together in a shed because it's been cobbled together.
2: Yeah, in the underground no, yeah.
1: <laughs> resistance. So yeah, but it, it, it wasn't great. But then um, Dartman did come out with a, a great line. There's a, a Dalek broadcast going on about survivors surrendering and all that and obeying orders, and he just looks at it. <laughs> he's listening to it. He says, Obey motor has dustbins. We'll see. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Oh, burn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> David is one of the resistance members, I guess, who is quite pally with Barbara and Susan. And he explains yeah. that prisoners, when they're caught, normally get taken onto a saucer, a flying saucer, and get turned into the men to serve the Daleks. He says there aren't actually many Daleks here on Earth. They're relying very much on a handful of daleks are also like a, i suppose a pre-invasion group maybe and then the robo men to sort of bolster their numbers i guess dan
1: yeah it's more the, the daleks have come down they've, they've converted the robo men so they only need to leave a sort of small controlling force because mm. the, the, when they've got the robo men they're you know they've got enough under control they're the, you know keeping the workers working as we'll see later and and all the rest of it. you don't need that many daleks there really
0: no no makes sense the the rebels are planning an attack on the saucer to to basically try and get rid of the remaining daleks and so on are not they with these bombs that they're building in the shed as you said (laughs) that and then obviously the doctor ian and some really annoying git that they've got alongside them who's been captured as well (laughs) uh, uh, they've all been caught and are being taken to the saucer to be robotized apparently uh, that guy who was with them, his name escapes me. But that guy was bloody irritating, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, I'm just looking through my notes trying to find out what his name is. I know the, the helipad that they're on, <laughs> there's a there's a Dalek Saucer helipad at, uh, in Chelsea, of all places. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was his name? I can't remember. I don't think I've got it written down here. To be honest, no, but, um, I haven't
0: either. Maybe, maybe we didn't actually find out. I don't know because I've not got a yeah. note of his name. So. Yeah.
1: But it's 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 sort of around this point where there's more prisoners being ushered in, and Ian's pointing out the discs on the back and uh, the increased mobility of some of the Daleks and trying yeah. to find them. Um, you know, trying to find weak points and and all of this. Um, but then uh, one of the uh, one of the prisoners tries to tries to run, blocked off by the Daleks, and gets. We see an extermination. Mm-hmm. As, he, as he cries out and it was a really cool effect with the negatives but yeah. the, uh, the, the the static noise was a little bit ropey but obviously they were doing the best with yeah the, yeah totally the totally I mean um, I'm
0: all let down with, with the guy trying to escape because he says he's got a plan they're not going to take him and his plan just seems to be to jump off the little ramp they were on yeah because he did because because they're all like a little almost like a obviously the daleks are you know that they haven't got legs they're they're daleks they need these kind of almost like the it's almost like the ramp that you get when um a disabled person or a push chair gets on the bus and they fold the ramp out from underneath the 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 flooring Mm. on the stagecoach buses it's kind of like that so they're walking these prisoners up this ramp and this guy's like i've got a plan and all he does is literally just jump off the ramp he's traveled about three yards and that was his plan, and it's, he deserved to get exterminated because he's a dumbass.
1: Yeah, he, he, Leroy Jenkins didn't fucked it up. Yeah, <laughs> he just oh, what a moron. But at this point as well, I realised that the uh, the dialects in this sound more like K nine in knew uh, new Who. <laughs> okay, yeah, their voices aren't the voices are quite high, aren't they? Yeah, it was it was just a really odd sort of realization. After that, I couldn't, I struggled to take him seriously because I was I was listening to it, hearing K nine, and just <laughs> having a chuckle.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we're bound to get to K9 at some point, probably in season two, because we've done a Tom Baker story now already, but what are your thoughts on K9, Dan? I don't know if we've covered it already on the show.
1: Um, I don't think we have. I think K9 is fun. It's, I mean, it's a talking robot dog that's got all these weird, you know, sciencey attachments. You can't not yeah. enjoy it, but I don't need it as a regular sort of a, as a regular feature it was cool yeah. when they brought it back um when sarah jane came back uh, with tenant but yeah they finding small doses for me nine. yeah it's um but obviously if they're bringing back 9 they're going in a more kid-friendly approach i'm not the target audience for that no no that's fair
0: enough that's fair enough uh, everyone who i speak to who grew up watching doctor who in that era so they were they were the the, the target audience in the 70s i guess won't have a bad thing said about canine those who i've interacted with anyway but whenever i see him on screen i just think it's a bit crap isn't it i'm gonna probably get loads of hate on twitter (laughs) by all all means tweet me as much hatred as you like at dan griffin (laughs) 21 (laughs) okay but i just don't i just think he's a bit it's just a bit toss isn't it
1: it's a bit gimmicky Mm. um but I st- like I said, I don't have that much nostalgia for it, and it's only ever been featured once in one episode, I think, of New Who. Right. So I don't mind. I don't mind K9, but I wouldn't I wouldn't need to see it every week if they're trying yeah. to bring it back.
2: That's
0: fair enough. Fair enough. I nearly saw K9 once. Again, I don't know if I mentioned it on the show before, but my dad, when I was very, very little, took me to a comic book store in Cheltenham. We live in Gloucester, and Cheltenham's about nine miles ish away it's the next mm. si- next town city over like. and um i didn't know where we were going it was a surprise for me uh, it was a surprise for me but my little sister came along too so she must have been bored as hell but we <laughs> went, to <this> little, <laughs> went to this little comic book store and i'm thinking what the bloody hell are we doing here it was unusual for my dad to have a saturday off work anyways it was really strange and it was a tiny little store and um a cyberman came out huh. just you know like the proper like 1980s you know, looking style Cyberman came yeah. out and was just walking around the shop and, you know, threatening people and shoppers and so on. I had nightmares about the Cyberman when I was a kid. So, I was this,
1: say
0: it. <laughs> oh, mate, this, I was screaming the place down. I was terrified. <laughs> and my dad, my dad thought it be really nice, but here's, here's his son literally in tears, petrified at this Cyberman. And then a Dalek came out. And this was brilliant because the Cyberman then acted scared of the Dalek and was talking to the Dalek about the nice t-shirts for sale and stuff like this. So that, cal- <laughs> that calmed me down a bit. And I find out afterwards, maybe not on the day, maybe a later date, that apparently they had K9 there as well, but his batteries were flat and
1: they couldn't get him to charge. So they just left him in the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's, that's so typically English. Yeah. But, like, well, I've got K9 coming down. Batteries work charged, we'll just leave them in the cupboard. It's like fucking, it's like comic, it's like comic book, it's comic book star Phoenix Nights. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you can't have kids bouncing up and down on a love
0: length. <laughs> yeah, but it, it tripped me out, man, because it was like, I was really, really little when this happened. And then as I got older, I, I used to jump on the bus, go across the chart and myself and go into this little comic book store to buy patches for my jacket. I got, you know, a denim jacket yeah. with all the, the band patches on the back and so on. And they used to sell patches in this, this, this store in Chatham. So I used to jump on the bus, go across there, buy a CD and buy patches for my jacket. I was walking in there and I kept getting this really sort of weird deja vu feeling of like, I've seen a Cyberman in here, but I couldn't remember when exactly because I was so little. And it's not like we discussed it a lot, you know? And it was like, it was so weird. I was like, I I thought I was just going mental. And then one day I mentioned it to my parents and my dad was like, yeah, I, I took you there when you were about seven you know and, and you did you did act, you you're not going mental you did actually see a cyberman in that store
1: so <laughs> scream the place down because your dad didn't think that you were scared of him yeah exactly oh <laughs> uh, i'm mean, getting back to Love
0: the Dalek invasion of earth we've got ian and the doctor and other uh other resistance members i guess being held on the saucer and then the rebels attack with their little bombs and so on trying to cause as much destruction as they can i suppose and and that's kind of it for episode two then wasn't it we didn't really get much else from that episode other than no. a little bit of chatting and you know the doctor deciding we're going to pit our wits against them so we
1: are and the only other thing of note really died in this one was that the uh the Daleks have already clocked the Doctor and said, "You know, his word betray greater intelligence than found in normal human beings." And I followed that up with, "Well, no shit, can. He's going to be your biggest nemesis." Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: It's <laughs> funny uh, you mentioned that, like uh, biggest nemesis, because this is literally e- everywhere has to. Everything has to start somewhere, of course. But mm. this is literally this is it. This is the beginning because the first story with the Daleks could have been a one and done. That could have been it. Mm. But they brought them back again. So to me, this is kind of where it, it begins—the sort of long-term, sixty-year battle, relationship, war between the Doctor and the Daleks, over and over and over again. I guess.
1: Mm. Yeah, it was. yeah, it was very interesting from a sort of a historical and uh, the history of the the world, sort of Doctor Who world point of view. Mm. The um, the only other thing, oh, I knew there was something else in this episode. We got a bit. We got a bit of the sciencey stuff. Okay. The doctor the doctor talked. it it's when they're in the cell the, guy, the guy's name was jack right It was in the cell with him there's some sort of key in a crystal box so the doctor proposed to use the light and magnifying glass to refract light to the to unlock it. Jack basically calls bullshit saying they' never leave it lying around the doctor doctor says if they if they have to deal with people of jack's capacity the Daleks needn't fear anything <laughs> <laughs> and he says the doctor's looking at this lock and says it just reels off some. Some sciencey sounding stuff. So, x equals gamma. That means roughly two point five percent to give a curve of eighty degrees. By the way, did you take three dimensional graph geometry in school? <laughs> 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 Needed all the sciencey stuff to unlock it, and it was basically a logic puzzle puzzle to uh, to ascertain the doctor's uh, capabilities, and that's to, with a view to him uh, being sort of experimented on, on mm. you know, converted. Because to find at the end of the episode, they uh, they find the doctor on the slab. Yeah, yeah, he's he's
0: gonna be. Well, robotized. I suppose the other prisoners were being prepared for, but the doctor, like you said, experiments and and so on potentially as well, isn't it?
1: Mm, yeah, gonna be
0: super robotized. Super but, robotized. You uh, know, like, like a cape.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would not put it past it either because they put like they just put like the big head thing on the uh, the Cyberman later on. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, yeah, like like as, as we were saying before, before I sort of tailed off there. The from a historical point of view, this is uh, this is really interesting of sort of where it all began.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I suppose as well. Again, it's of its time. So we see the Daleks, and they're they're not on the, the smooth gliding surfaces they were when we initially encountered them, with the first series. They are on rough terrain. They're on gravel. They're they're in you know, uh, broken up roads and building sites and so on. They look a bit, a bit on the wobbly side, don't they? Let's be honest.
1: It feels like there's somebody on a tricycle. Mm. Inside, inside the casing, yeah. There's just, there's like there's like just peddling furiously, trying to get it to go because, and yeah, I'm sure you can see the wheels at some point as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, but, uh, yeah. We get with the with the rebels rescuing the prisoners. Um, they were disguised as robot men This was Barbara's idea, wasn't it? This is really really clever. Yeah, yeah the head, coming headpiece good. on. Yeah, yeah. Fair play. To her. And they attack and, and rescue the prisoners and so on. And they pull over a Dalek. That they actually knock one off to its side, and it just looks pathetic. Like this, this killing machine, in that instant, to me, lost all of its kind of, I, I suppose, peril. It was kind of the, the fear factor, I guess, because it looks so easy to just knock over.
1: Yeah, it wasn't great. I mean, I, funnily enough, I had the same problem with a later with a, an episode of the tenant was involved in, where it was the final episode that um, that Catherine Tate was in. I can't remember the name, but it was in there. It was when um, Catherine T- T- Donna had taken over the Daleks and she was controlling them and all that, and everybody's you know grabbing weapons and oh we're going to save everything and put the Earth back where it needs to be. And at one point, <laughs> at one point, Captain Jack he's grabbed a gun and he just puts his foot on a Dalek and just boots it out of the way. And, really? he, and he and he yells "Get out of the way!" as he kicks it. It's like we've seen those things melt bullets. Yeah, and you just put your foot on it. Yeah, exactly. What? What? It, it shouldn't. It? And then you see it back here as well. It's just. It really makes them look crap. It removes so much of the threat.
0: It, speaking, you say that right, like Barbara, coming good and so on. She's loving this, isn't she? Attacking the Daleks at this, she is having a whale of a time, kicking and punching and battering these things. Yeah. She's well. Up, she's well up for a scrap, is Barbara? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, pissed off that she just got put to put to cooking and handing out apples to people. <laughs> it. like, when no. wonder like she is cooking. They literally just gave her a tray of apples. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like people you see. Like I can never tell if it's satire or not. When uh, seeing like oh, I saw a post it went viral a while back. It was a bowl of cereal. I said, I love it when my man cooks me breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> put a bit of
0: cereal and a splash
1: of milk into a bowl of
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's hardly hey. all English <laughs> oh dear something I noticed as well here with regards to all this I mean Ian gets stuck on the ship as they're making this escape plan but um, the Daleks here they obviously in the, in the midst of I suppose a, a bit of a a bit of a fight scene outside the ship with the Robo men and the rebels and everyone sort of scrapping away they're not saying exterminate are they
1: no, no, we, I don't think we've heard him say exterminate once yet.
0: No, it's really strange. I mean, when they um, when when the guy stepped off the the ramp with his grand plan of escape and just sort of like you know jumped a couple of foot, <laughs> they the the, the the main Dalek, I suppose the, the 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 senior Dalek at that moment declared that the, for his, his his fellow Daleks, kill him, and that was that was it. They just shot him. There was no mention of exterminate or anything even then, was there?
1: No, and the dialects are a lot wordier than uh, than I expected them to be at this point mm. as well. Um, even if they do sound like canine, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a funny one. I don't know exactly when exterminate became a thing.
0: No, I don't. I don't know if we hear it later on. I mean, hopefully, if we do, I've made a note about. it. I don't know if we hear it later on in this story.
1: I'm not sure. I think, I think we. I think we might actually because I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll have it in my notes if we if we. Yeah. Do.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, I suppose moving on then, we get the sorcerer is heading to the mines. Uh, Ian is on the sorcerer still, as we mentioned. The bombs didn't really do what they wanted them to do. And lots of people have been killed by the Daleks here. Hmm. Uh, and it's kind of decided that the rebels are all going to try and flee London, effectively. Susan is is talking to David here. It's obviously that she's, she's formed a, a bond with, with the character David. They're very hmm. fond of each other. And she's trying to convince David to just join the TARDIS. If she'll speak to her grandfather, come on the TARDIS with them and just go travelling with them. He's not too keen on the idea because he doesn't want to be, as he sees it, running away from problems and so on. I mean, yeah, I can understand that's very moral of him. But on the other side of the coin, everyone else is running away from London because they're thinking London's been taken by the Daleks. If you're running away from a problem that's effectively a robotic killing machine, I think it's okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm on the list of things that it's okay to run away from, mm. um, you know, Dalek's are, Daleks are are pretty high up there. It's not like he's, you know, it's not like he's skipping out on on, on the wife and kids just because times have got a little bit tough, yeah. or rela- <laughs> you know, relationships got a little bit rocky. <laughs> um, you're, you're probably going to get murdered. At best, you're going to get converted into a Robo Man lose your sanity and drowning yourself yeah in black pretty- corpse water yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was, it, was that the was that the re, was that the reforming of the band black corpse water yeah that, that's <laughs> and, that's their, a, that's the title of their greatest hits <laughs> 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 yeah it's it, it's a very quick um it's sort a of very quick enamoring isn't it for um, mm. for Su- for susan and david yeah. um, but did you notice that she was on the when they were on the run from a dalek her ankle was suddenly not too bad
0: but that'll be that where Hanky, mate, works miracles. That healing corpse
1: water. That's it. That's <laughs> healing they, corpse uh, water. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, uh, that's when they went into into Christian rock for a little while. Yeah. Their, their reunion tour <laughs> with the softer side of things, yeah. <laughs> leader, leader got off drugs and found, uh, lead singer got, got off drugs and found Jesus.
0: That's it. <laughs> we, we then get, I suppose, our next kind of really iconic images and so on, because we're, the, we're talking about the Daleks taking London, but here we have. The Daleks running through London, don't we? They're, they're on they're on the bridge. We see them in front of Big Ben going through Trafalgar, Trafalgar Square. And, oh, it's just absolutely fantastic. And I remember speaking to, it may even have been my dad, because my dad was watching Dot 2 He'd have been 12, 13 around this time. I think it was my dad. I mean, if, if I'm wrong there, I apologise. But I remember speaking to somebody older than me who watched this at the time. And I remember them telling me that the Daleks seemed scarier because they were in front of things that were real. It wasn't an alien planet anymore. They were going through London. Stuff that, you know, Big Ben used, used to see it every night on the six o'clock news or whatever. And there's a Dalek in front of Big Ben. And that made it kind of more, more sinister in a way.
1: Well, it hits home, doesn't it? It becomes, it becomes relatable and that makes it scary. If it's just some far-flung planet in the middle of nowhere, you know, wherever... You you, hmm. you just it's just not going to be as effective. I know I'd like I'd find things much more effective if you had like you know, if you, if you had a Cyberman turn up in York or something. It's uh, <laughs> it'd be anything like that. I mean, but a lot a lot of early New Who was filmed in various parts of Wales and a lot of it around yep. um, uh, in Cardiff and surrounding area. And a friend of mine uh, who we went to university with, he loved it. Because he was pointing out, saying, "I know where that is. I've been there. This is where I used to hang out when I was a kid," you know, and, and stuff like that, and it just instantly upped the entertainment value. So, yeah, absolutely, you can up the uh, up the fear factor as well. There was a, um,
0: a Christmas special. I think it was a David Tennant one that was filmed mm. in Gloucester, and it was at the cathedral, which is, I mean, it's probably about fifteen minutes tops from my house walking, and it mm. was they filmed parts of a, a an episode there and it was supposed to be so they had all the, supposed to be snowing so they had the fake snow going and the tardis was there it's absolutely fantastic mate
1: yeah it's, it's brilliant and oh with this um with this running around london as well um the uh the drumbeat in the background yeah. the, the music oh. made it so dramatic it it's so dramatic
0: yeah it's sort of again it's just adding the adding to the peril isn't it it's kind of that drum beat and the fact that they're all running and the daleks are just everywhere whichever way they turn or whichever way the camera cuts to there's another one it's kind yeah. of it really does sort of add that, that that sort of feeling of okay this is kind of at the end game now the daleks have effectively it's not it's not an invasion of earth
1: they have invaded this is it oh, it's an occupation mm. easily but what you say about the daleks just like everywhere you know appearing and whatnot there was a bit just before this that got me because uh, one of the characters baker decides to go it alone and head for the cornish coast yeah so david gives him a flask and sends him on his way baker immediately runs into two daleks and gets exterminated yeah like how how did he not see them he's around about 10 yards yeah you could probably hear them coming
0: yeah and that's again one of those timing moments that kind of was a bit off for me Cause he runs around the corner from where David and Susan were with his little hip flask of whiskey or whatever he's been given. He runs around the corner and stops. Cause there's a Dalek right there. And he's virtually ran into this Dalek. There's no way he would have not seen it. And he's traveled an extra, I don't know, 10 foot towards this Dalek. He didn't need to travel. Yeah. And then he kind of just stands there and waits and then goes and leans against the wall and waits a bit more. He's not saying anything. He's not doing anything. The Dalek isn't saying anything. And again, time-wise, it just felt a bit off. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. Um, but I just... It's just not something that I picked up on when I was watching for some reason. Mm, okay. I think I think it's because... I'm I've Obviously, I'm watching it on my TV. I've got my laptop in front of me. I'm trying to make notes, keep up what's going on. And I think at that moment, if if I've got a few seconds just to double check what i've written my attention goes there and then back as soon as something happens right so i'm sort of flitting between the two so it was a bit less obvious for me Mm.
0: no i understand i understand uh we get the the loss of dortmund as well here don't we he uh tries to sacrifice himself effectively to try and kill some daleks to help others escape yeah he, he sort of goes at them with one of his bombs that he's made
1: yeah, it's it, it doesn't it's go a, well, <laughs> no, and it's but it's kind of a noble. I think it's intended to be sort of a noble sacrifice, and it is to a point. It's just the uh, the bomb just doesn't work very well,
0: <laughs> no. And he, in fact, he blows himself up, doesn't he? To a degree,
1: yeah. I don't, I don't see him take any dialects out, no, it's a shame. Nice try, though. you know, thanks for coming. And uh, <laughs> well, we, well but, but up to this point, the Dortmund's been we've not really touched on Dortmund, he's been very adamant in his own intelligence and his mm-hmm. plans and all the rest of it to, to a point of almost being sort of a bit of a fanatic about it all. Yeah. And he's then sort of come to realize that he's now at a point where he feels like he's slowing people down mm. because of having to, having to push the chair and then keep, you know, keep him hidden and all, and all the rest of it. So it is it is sort of a noble sacrifice. It's just pretty poorly executed. A bit like he's a bit like when they tried to attack the uh, attack the saucer.
0: Yeah, this master plan they devised, which gets loads of people butchered. Yeah, not a good luck. Not a good luck. Uh, <laughs> the doctor, Susan, and David are kind of still hiding around the corner from where where the uh, the other fella got shot from, and the the, the robo men basically just bring a massive bomb, pull it down near them. And just walk away, don't they? It's so it's so so casual. They're kind of like, "We'll just put this bomb down here."
1: Yeah, (laughs) bomb (laughs) down. That's kind of how they talk, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it is a bit. Yeah, Um, but it's at this. It's around about this point. As we're getting to the end of this part of the uh, part of the serial, that the Doctor, we see more of what I expected Hartnell's Doctor to be. Okay, interesting. Um, Because the the anaesthetic's wearing off. Because uh, the doctor, this whole time, the doctor's been so sort of basically unconscious, mm. um, and David suggests going north, you know, heading for wherever. Yes. The, doc, yes. the doctor turns around. And said, the doctor says he doesn't care what that young man thinks; he makes the decisions. And like, you've been here for a, a day ish. You've already got yourself captured. Nearly had yourself robotized. This guy's been fighting a war, <laughs> fighting a resistance for years, weeks. Yeah, Over long? Just you know,
0: he even turns to Susan, doesn't he? At this, at this point, and says, "Are you questioning my authority, child?"
1: Yeah, and it's just like, I forgot what? <laughs> is, is she, for one, she's pretty, You know, she's meant to be seventeen, eighteen. If she's eighteen, that you know, she's an adult essentially. Yeah. If she's seventeen, she's too old to be called a child. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But it she'll feels- still get a jolly good smacked bottom, apparently.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, makes, it, feels, it feels like your skin's sliding off your arm, doesn't it? It weren't <laughs> a good look, mate. It weren't a good
0: look. <laughs> the doctor actually passes out, does doesn't he? Because of the anaesthetic and so on. He, he sort of... Because of what's going on and everything, he actually passes out, and, and David has to shut the bomb off when they discover it. And he does so with some acid. And this looked really good, I thought, for, its, for the time. I thought this was a really good effect.
1: Yeah, it was pretty good, actually. Yeah, I was, I was... Again, pleasantly surprised with it, um, yeah. And David does. David proves his worth, doesn't he? Although this is this is after the doctor's already sort of seen sense mm. and uh, decides to go along with with David's original suggestion. He does have that moment of sort of humility and thinks yeah. maybe I don't know everything, bugger. Um,
0: <laughs> I actually I actually think the way David deals with that there it is quite important as well. Now we're talking about it, I kind of I kind of think back because the doctor was saying to susan you know i'm in charge here he says go north but you know whatever i'm in charge and then david then says to the doctor and refers to the doctor as sir and says mm. you're, you're the out al- you're the elder person in this party I, w- I would like your advice please and i think that moment there really kind of makes the doctor realize that david is I I suppose it's it's flattering the Doctor in a way, but showing a huge level of respect as well. And it kind of, I suppose, um, plays up to the Doctor's arrogance. And I think that moment there is where things start to develop with the Doctor and David, their relationship, but also with the Doctor sort of thinking, I I think here is where he starts already thinking about Susan and David making a life for themselves, so to speak.
1: Yeah, the Doctor sort of seeing... Seeing what's going on, basically, between yeah. the two, and but then it 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 could be playing to the ego, or it could just be that the doctor hears the way the way David ad- addresses him and, th- and thinks, "All right, he's a respectful young, you know, he's a respectful person. He's he's asked my opinion. I appreciate that. And now that he's sort of had a moment to think and cool his, you know, cool his jets, he realizes that going north is the good idea. Mm. So it's like a weird sort of combination of the two, really, but yeah, yeah it, 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 you're right it was a, it was a it was a good way to approach it because it it just <laughs> david basically got what he wanted and the doctor can go hang <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh dear again though, the, the david sort of defuses the bomb with this acid i mean it, it, again it's black and white television It's nineteen sixty four but i think it looks it looks great for its time
1: my Ian, my, my notes here they're actually decent effects
0: <laughs> yeah yeah okay uh Ian is. At this mine that the Daleks are, no one really explains what they're mining for at this point. They've got a few question marks yeah. against it, sort of saying what they're actually mining for. I'm still, you know, we're into episode four now. I'm still unsure as to what the Daleks are digging for. To be honest, we have Barbara and Jen, who is another of the rebels. They're basically fueling up a big tanker and pumping up some tyres because they're going to try and get out of London via a truck, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they've they've gone to the uh, the British Transport Museum, mm. got that there. But when Ian and uh, Ian and Jack uh, are at the mine, uh, they run into uh, run into a mine worker there, and this is where I looked at it and I thought I was amazed because I actually recognised somebody in the ep- in the episode, okay. another actor. Uh, the The mine worker who finds them and asks who they are and if they're escapees because they're a about it's uh, Nicholas Smith who played Mister Rumbold in Are You Being Served? Uh, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, I looked at him looked, and went, it's Mr. Rumble.
0: <laughs> yeah, now you say that, I've got it, but I didn't notice at the time. How weird's that?
1: Oh, I, clocked oh, okay. it, I somehow clogged it straight away. Yeah, brilliant stuff.
0: <laughs> uh, David and Susan are also being held at gunpoint by another human at this point. Tyler, I think the guy's name is. Yes.
1: Yeah, but they they know each other from before because Tyler was was about earlier in the serial. Mm. But Tyler thought they were um, they were scavengers, yep. and Tyler was shooting alligators that escaped from the zoo.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, that's something I didn't even think of. To be fair, you do have London Zoo, and there's a lot of stuff there. And the Daleks aren't going to be worried about keeping up with the monkeys and that, are they? So these animals are all just running wild around London, as well as Daleks running wild around London. Yeah. yeah.
1: So alligators in the sewers and all the rest of it, yeah, it's mad. Um, we we actually we, we skipped over a little bit of um, a really good practical effects, and that was the um, that was Jenny uh, driving the truck and plowing through the uh, driving yeah. headlong into the group of Daleks, smashing into bits, and then the uh, the saucer uh, goes overhead. They have to bail out the truck, and the saucer blows up the truck. Well, it was it was a, it was a miniature, but. It, it, it was uh, it was one of the ropey effects, but it amused me because it was like, yeah, yeah, it's basically the tiny little scale model, and it's just gone boom.
0: But and Barbara was just being a badass again, weren't she just smashing through the Daleks with with her mate in this truck, and that yeah. was that was a really cool visual as well.
1: Yeah, it was really good, and again, like you say, another uh, another notch on uh, another notch for Barbara.
0: Something I noticed as well, I got a note about here that as. They've smashed through the Daleks with with this truck. The saucers there—it's obvious what's going to happen. They've got to bail. They've got to get out the truck and just run because it looks like the saucer's going to, you know, do all it does and just blow the truck up. We get a shot of Barbara and Jen. Basically, the truck stopped and they're ferreting away with the doors to escape. Barbara, brilliantly, safety first. Remember, puts the handbrake on before she gets out.
1: <laughs> I didn't notice <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wouldn't want it rolling away,
0: would you? No, no, no. Of course not. <laughs>
1: It's, it's David, a weird thing, but it's a weird thing. But like, it's kind of just instinct when you stop a vehicle to just whack a handbrake yeah. on. So I kind of get it, but at the same time, would you really be that concerned?
0: No, you, know, you just smashed through like twenty Daleks, and there is a saucer above you about to blow you up. I don't think the handbrake should be your biggest concern. But again, Barbara, <laughs> Fairplay, safety first, eh? Yeah, safety first. Uh, David and Susan back where back with them are talking about rebuilding Earth, a new start. Uh, and so on. And I think this, again, is leaning towards, we're getting signs now that Susan wants to be with David here. She's mm-hmm. she's talking about rebuilding, the rebuilding of Earth, a new start and so on. Previously to this, she was talking about David coming on the TARDIS with her. So I think by this stage, we're seeing that Susan doesn't see her future without David to a degree
1: at this point. Yeah, and I think she, I don't know if it's already happened or if, if she goes on to say how she's never really belonged anywhere, never really had somewhere to call her home, and and never been never been settled effectively. So yeah, it, they're uh, they're telegraphing it pretty mm. <laughs> pretty pretty well.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Ian meets Ashton and Sliver. I'm guessing this is the guy who was uh, Mr. Rumbold, was it?
1: No, it was uh, Mr. Rumbled was already in, uh, already there before. He was just a mine okay. worker who facilitated the meeting. Uh, I Ashton, Ashton, I don't know who that is, um, but the uh, the uh, the slither um, is really fucking obnoxious with the with the yeah. It's just like he's like, hang on, we're trying to have a conversation here. Do you mind?"
0: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's weird. The, the whole thing was strange. To be fair, again, I, I speak about you know, it's, it's six episodes, and it could have been cut down to four. A great deal of what Ian's getting up to here I, I'm not sure we really need
1: um maybe not but it, it does end up being necessary mm. but yeah you're right it could, could have maybe uh, this whole stuff with Ashton isn't really needed no nah. it comes to virtually nothing yeah it's just
0: yeah it's almost like doing I, I suppose you care more about the situation and you care more about the characters and so on if there's more background information more storytelling and so on but this yeah. to me feels like background information and background storytelling just to fill time as opposed to having a purpose.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. When I joked earlier about them needing extra for the runtime, I think you know, this is part of what it is. It's like in, uh, in the Hobbit movies where they turned one book into three films and they added a whole story arc in there that isn't in the book mm. just to, just to pad the movies out. And it was yeah. just unnecessary. I mean, and, and they've got, they're just sort of going from peril to peril, be it Robo dialects or quite li- quite literally the alligator in the sewer. And it, yeah, the, the alligator in the sewer made me laugh because it's blatantly a baby one. <laughs> it's still dangerous though, mate. Still dangerous. I, know, but I, I, but I was on holiday in Florida once and we were in the Everglades. I got to hold a baby alligator. Um, so I was, I was a t- uh, teenager, I think I was about 13, okay. maybe 14. And you know, you queue up, you, Get you hold the alligator, you get your picture taken, all the rest of it. They are strong. They are strong yeah. little buggers. Nearly, nearly wrenched itself out of my grasp. We had to hold it in a very specific way. Because I was the last one. And then when it got to me, it swung its head and tried to bite me. Oh, why? <laughs> it Just decided it had had enough. Uh, yeah. it turned its head, tried to but because I had my hand under its, uh, you know, under its belly and under its front legs. It missed missed me by a good like three, four inches, but it felt a lot closer. But So yeah, they are, they they can be nasty, but also the, you know, it's three grown people and a tiny baby alligator. It's not not the same as a fully grown
0: alligator, is it? It's not the same, same kind of fish there.
1: Oh no, then, then you, then you add the alligator to the list of things you can run from.
0: Yeah. (laughs) In a zigzag, you've got to go in a zigzag apparently.
1: Really?
0: Yeah. Apparently if you're running away from a crocodile, alligator or whatever, you've got to run in a zigzag because in a straight line, they're a bit, they're quite quick. Because they've got these small, dumpy little legs, they can't turn very well. So, if you run in a zigzag, you're like, pace another, it. another feeling. <laughs> so, if I need to run away from you, I'm just run in a zigzag. Yeah,
1: no, you, just what you're to, you just have to run. <laughs> yeah, I ain't doing that. If, 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 you, if you ever see me running, you run too, because you know something bad's happening for me to be honest.
0: Fair enough. I won't even ask questions. I'll just go. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and
0: with regards to, to Sliver that they've met. Ian ends up having a bit of a scrap with him, doesn't he? And it's it's a terrible fight scene. Let's be honest, it's not it's not good, is it?
1: <laughs> no, it's not. And um, you know the slither breaks into the shack to to his Ashton. So that's the mm. end of him. He was completely pointless. Um, and they end up in they end up in the, that frigging mining cart. Yeah, but, like the next? waste bucket, I think it was called. Yeah, something like that. And the slither tries to jump, but Ian bashes it with a rock, and it falls. And it was, but. I kind of loved it because it was so cheesy and shit, yeah,
0: yeah, the effects here were bad effects they were obviously it was it was the best they could do at the time, as we keep saying, money allowing and so on, mm. but this has really not aged well, but at the same time, because it's not aged well, it's kind of got that charm to it again, Dan, I think that we mentioned earlier,
1: but it's when it something gets so bad, it becomes good,
0: yeah, yeah, I suppose yeah, uh we get. The Doctor, David, Tyler, and Susan uh, all fighting some Robomen as well now as we're sort of hurtling towards the end of the story, I guess. I'm not 100% sure still what the Daleks are mining for. I'm not 100% sure what the Doctor's plan is here. But they just seem to be... Some of them are trying to run away from London. Uh, There's a few people talking about staying and fighting. Ian is elsewhere... At this mine, having sort of yeah. been a stowaway on on the saucer for a bit, there's a lot going on and I don't really i don't really understand what's going on if that makes sense
1: there's yeah it, it's something that we've seen previously and that there's a lot going on without very much of consequence happening mm. seemingly but it also it's you do feel like you're hurtling towards something and and sort of a you know big reveal and we do get that um with the uh, with the bit in the uh, the sewers with the Robo Men, uh, what was it? Uh, I think it was Tyler did a re- a great diving roll for the gun, and he sort of yeah. dives, grabs the gun, rolls and shoots in one motion. Very challenging. was really one. cool. Yeah, and we we get a bit of we get a bit of an insight into what had become sort of a cornerstone of Doctor Who. In that the Doctor says he only takes life when it when his is immediately threatened, mm. which um, which was a nice little touch. Yeah, like that.
0: Yeah, again, I think that's really an important sort of sort of level to the show, I guess. The Doctor is anti-guns and, and, and so on. And I think that's why, when we get around to watching, which we will do very soon, a Colin Baker story, it does seem a little bit different. And the Doctor is described from that era as being... Darker and angrier and so and edgier, mm. because that aspect of the character is kind of forgotten about. I mean, Colin Baker is very much a, the, the violent, the most violent of the Doctors, I guess. Oh, right. So that'd be interesting for us to to look at, like, yeah, but yeah it's, it's it's it feels that the show with Colin Baker feels different to the, the the rest, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, sort of the uh, sort of the black sheep sort of thing where it's. Mm. Because they've forgotten. Okay, I didn't realize they'd they taken that away from from Colin Baker's Doctor. Obviously, I've never seen any, so
0: yeah. I mean, it's, I don't think it's like a, a a conscious decision. It's not like okay, we're doing this this time, but there's you can feel a definite shift in in watching some of it. You can feel a definite sort of change in what's going on in the way the Doctor behaves, and he he's more quite often he has a gun in his hand and so on. So.
1: Hmm interesting to see that so i'm not sure how i'll feel about it
2: mm,
0: it's good it, colin baker is an odd one anyway i think he very much you know, of, people are very much split down the middle on him they either think it was great and he should have had more time or it, he's the worst doctor ever i, I don't yeah. tend to speak to many people who kind of go oh yeah he was all right you know it was kind of one way or the other i guess
1: and i don't think i've ever heard anybody say, say anything favorable about him so. <laughs> mm,
0: Yeah, okay okay Barbara and Jen then, on their travels, have met two ladies who make clothes for slaves who are working down the mine. So I mean, in that, on that aspect, I suppose it shows a little bit of a a nice side to the Daleks, doesn't it? Because at least they want their <laughs> slaves clothed. They, they, want them to, they want them to have a, a, a few you know fresh garbs to chuck on when they
1: go digging. Yeah, it's an odd one. Um, you wouldn't really think the Daleks would be uh, would be fussed about. Nudity, but then again, you know it's Saturday and it's Saturday night television, so mm. they had to chuck that in. But it's it's this is quite a classic move as well, where uh, they think that they found you know allies or safety or yeah. something along those lines, but no, they're in league with the big bad all along. It, it's something that we'll see sort of down the decades in in TV and horror films. It's 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 I don't know if it, is it called is it called a bait and switch? Is that what that is? it's what it, says. Yeah, it sounds like. That sounds it about, like, right, doesn't it? it feels like what it should be called.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what we'll call it. <laughs> and we are always right.
1: Um, <laughs> and if we're not, these... we're just testy.
0: Yeah, exactly. These uh, th- these clothes makers for the slaves, as as you said, Dan, they double-cross them pretty much straight away, don't they? They have a bit of a conversation, maybe have a cup of tea, and then they go and fetch a Dalek. But that Dalek, the note I've got here, that Dalek says exterminate. Ah, there we go. So is this the first time? I don't know. You you tell me, mate. You're the. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna have to go back and watch the other Dalek story now and see if they say exterminate in that one.
1: Oh, what, a, what a shame! You've got to go back and watch more Doctor Who. It is a shame.
0: It is a shame. <laughs> <laughs> the the guy with Ian at this stage was sort of jumping back and forth from all the different, I suppose, different storylines that are all going along, uh, running alongside each other. We've just seen Barbara and um, and her friend Jen gets basically double crossed and, and, and shipped off to the daleks we're now jumping across to see how ian's getting on with his mate who i believe was called larry
1: he's yeah, with. at this point i i got confused because i thought this guy's name was jack right okay because the doctor the doctor and ian were with a jack before and i thought it was the same guy but apparently not apparently this is larry
0: yeah okay uh he's looking for his brother as well isn't he he's trying to track down his brother larry it's quite important to him that he finds his brother and he sees his brother and he he is now a robo man which is obviously something that we see a lot as well in future episodes of doctor who with especially with regards to the Cybermen converting mm. family members and so on so this was um i, I quite like this i quite like that kind of you know somebody the emotional attachment to somebody and they've basically th- th- they're lost to the cause so to speak
1: yeah, it's it's a very it's a very human element to it all. Um, you know, after all the you know, the silliness and the you know, the blowing up trucks and, and all the rest of it. It, it, it. But it's an exchange where uh, Larry's trying to get through to his brother Phil by saying his name and mentioning his wife's name and, and all the rest of it, and all he's getting back is you are runaways, you must be punished. Ian tries even tries to get Larry clear. But it doesn't work and he gets effectively he uh he strangles mm. his brother who says larry as he dies and again that got very dark very quickly yeah
0: yeah definitely we cut then to susan and david and it's obvious there then that they're, they're falling for each other um david david's relationship with the doctor we've already established it is again here seems very good as well mm it's just again sort of another little stepping stone to where we're ultimately going to end up at the end of this story isn't it
1: yeah yeah it's it's like i say it is so so telegraphed that you can see it coming a mile away Mm. but um yeah they're they're just sort of i think that he was he was fishing wasn't he um oh yeah so he that was it he snow he sort of snuck up behind her and scared her with a fish and you know, they're having a playful little sort of roll around and he's pointing out, how oh, well, the Doctor stood up to the journey and it, it all gets a bit awkward as uh, as the Doctor and Tyler get back. Just yeah. as they've been just having a little kiss and, yeah, uh, and all of that. It's just like, it's it's very much the like, shit, got caught.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, would you eat a fish from that water, from the corpse water? Christ, no. And I don't get me wrong, I appreciate these people are starving hungry, but... I mean, come off it. There's a lot of dead robo man in there. You wouldn't be having that,
1: would you? Nah. No. It, for some reason, what popped into my head, have you ever seen the League of Gentlemen movie?
0: Um, I'm, I've seen the programme. I'm not sure if I've seen the movie.
1: But in the movie, it's all about like the characters from the show coming into real life and stuff like that. And, and Tubbs is sat on the toilet. And she looks and said, I made a little brown fish. And uh, <laughs> later, on, later on, she gives uh, she gives one of the other characters a sandwich. I made you a sandwich. And she says, oh, what's in it? He goes fish. And he says, What type? She said brown. Oh, no. <laughs> that that, that, that uh, would very much be a, a shit covered fish. Yeah,
0: a grim fish from corpse water. <laughs> we are grim fish,
1: corp- corpse water.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I head on download next year. Yeah. Um,
1: but look, they've got rabbit, though, so that's all good.
0: Wow. Ah, yes, true, true. Uh, Barbara, as well, she's made a bit of progress and gets to speak to. Uh, the black Dalek, who I'm assuming is, is the guy who's in charge, the supreme Dalek, he's, he's just all in black, isn't he?
1: Yeah, you can uh, yeah, you can tell just by different, by liquor paint.
0: Yeah, exactly. And here we, I'll tell you what, with that regards to that, when a Dalek gets promoted then, do they have to go get like a spray job?
1: Yeah. It's set up like, uh, it's like a spray tan booth. Yeah. Just, and just, just roll in and just shh. <laughs> Reversing, <laughs> shh. Turn around.
0: <laughs> Congratulations, Dalek. You are now an admiral.
1: <laughs>
0: Enjoy your new colour. Um...
1: <laughs> <laughs> that you can't see because the Daleks don't have mirrors.
0: Oh, yeah. They could just tell them that they painted them, couldn't they? And they wouldn't they wouldn't know. The other um... Daleks.
1: They, they could just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we painted
0: you a lovely shade of green, mate. You look sound. And just yeah, that Dalek has to take their word for it, doesn't he?
1: Something tells me that the Daleks aren't massively big on humour.
0: No. Nah. You, know, you can't imagine Daleks winding each other up, can you? Like practical joking each other and stuff.
1: Yeah, like oh, you never, you never guess what I've done. I've, uh, I've replaced Jerry's, uh, re- replaced old Jerry's plunger with a, with a feather duster. He's gonna look a right <laughs> swap. He's, he's gonna look a right
0: <laughs> I don't think he's noticed. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and a Daleks a RoboMasters in the corner just sniggering as he's walking around with a feather duster on his <laughs> thing.
1: What, what would a Dalek sniggering sound like? That'd be the most awkward noise in the world. Uh,
0: <laughs> oh, I'd beavers from beavers and bird
1: that was, my, that, was that, I'll be honest, that was my peter griffin oh okay yeah okay well maybe they sound like peter griffin <laughs> oh dude we've done it again
0: we have we've got a bit sidetracked um <laughs> we hear this is when we find out what the daleks are mining for they're not mining for anything in particular are they they're just trying to get to the center of the earth because they want to mm. turn the earth into a a ship they want to pilot the earth out of its solar system i guess
1: yeah, looking to uh, harness the Earth and, and get it moving. Mm. Um, they've, uh, they've been sent into the core of the planet to replace it with a power system uh, to pilot to pilot anywhere in the universe, effectively yes. having a planet sized warship.
0: Yeah, and I mean, they're sending a, a big bomb down to do this, aren't they? To sort of clear mm. a bit of space out, I'm guessing, to, to
1: fit in what they need to fit in. And Ian's in the bloody bomb, isn't he? Yeah, he's got himself into a bit of a pickle. Yes, what a silly sausage! But the thing is, I'm kind of mocking it. But by the end of this episode, going into the final part, there's two of the three companions in, uh, you know, with Barbara and, and Ian, who were in sort of grave peril. Mm. So you look at it and thinking, actually, going into the end of it, we've just found out the big reveal of the Dalek plot. Two of the three companions are in are in the ship. That's not bad. <laughs> That's no. not a bad way to end an episode.
0: That's going to make you want to tune in seven days later, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, very quickly though, uh, Ian's peril kind of gets eradicated, I suppose, at the beginning of the final episode, because he, Mm. he escapes from the capsule. And then I find this quite comical, to be honest. He kind of slides down the chute, but it just looks really funny.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I looked at it and I just, all in my head, in my head, all I could do was just go, "Wee!" Yeah, exactly. He must have had a
0: great time. I bet he did that, and he was like, "Oh, you know what? I don't think I, I don't think I got it right. We need another four or five takes because he was just having a well yeah. at the time shooting down the chute. <laughs> That's what I, that's why I hope happened anyway.
1: Could, do you reckon we could just put like a, a spiral in the middle of it? Just, I think it looked look cool. I think it'd be really good for TV. Yeah, it's like, no, just, just look...
0: want a twisty bit in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, dear. Barbara and, and Jen then effectively sort out their own peril as well, don't they? They, uh, As Barbara distracts the Daleks, Jen tries to destroy some of the controls, but this doesn't quite work. But at least they're having a go, eh?
1: Yeah, to try. Uh, doing better than Dortmund did. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, they're giving it a pop. It's um, it's when she um, starts just spouting off, referring to, like, the Boston Tea Party and General Lee and the Fifth Cavalry and Hann- Hannibal's forces and just, like, drawing all, this, all these bits from history and just making nonsense that sounds vaguely military. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, we get back to the Doctor and he's moving some rocks around, which are obviously polystyrene. This is, like... <laughs> again... Uh, and again it sounds like we're poking fun at this we're not ultimately and again when we sort of summarize at the end of the episode which which we will do very very soon you'll see that i bloody loved this i'm poking fun very much from a a kind of place of love it's it's so some of it is just so old and silly but it does have that charm to it and and so and this is one of those moments the rocks that they're moving around they if there's a strong gust of wind those rocks would have rolled away
1: yeah (laughs) i've just been taken up in the in the breeze and and gone off but like as we keep saying they did the best they could for with the money they had and you know th- at this point doctor who wasn't a huge budget thing it wasn't um it still wasn't viewed as a uh as, as a priority it was still very much fighting for for everything it could get so mm. i've got i can't hold that against it I, I can make fun of it a little bit but i can't hold it against it
0: yeah yeah there you go um ian then puts a load of wood down the chute i'm not yeah, sure what he's, he's trying to accomplish I'm, I'm, he's trying to just screw that system up i'm guessing but it's like he trucks a load of wood down this this
1: chute the garlic he probably props the door open as well mm, yeah Um so that it can effectively if that hatch closes the it, it won't go off yeah sort of thing i think that's what he was aiming for
0: okay okay that makes sense and the, the Daleks now, are, they're, they're kind of leaving the area, aren't they? Because they they're thinking this bomb's going to detonate soon, or or whatever. So they they're kind of they're going to another area. They're they're all they're all sort of leaving in uh, in single file, and the Doctor and Tyler are, are in their pathway. Effectively, the Daleks are heading towards them, so they hide. And this was this isn't just down to special effects. This isn't of its time. This was just rubbish. This was this bit. I am going to point out is just (laughs) nonsense because the, the, the Daleks are going through this door. Tyler and the doctor hide either side of this door. So the Daleks, if they're looking dead ahead in theory, won't notice them because they'll be past them before they can see them. So to speak. Yeah. But there's one Dalek, especially who's obviously got his, his sort of spinning bit on top with his eye, stalk stuck Hmm. and he is pointing at the doctor he is looking directly at the doctor the camera is then looking directly at this dalek looking at the doctor and it's just one of those moments where you think okay i've got to ignore that because it'll ruin the story but there's no way he's not there's no way he's not seen him because he's not hiding behind anything he just leaned against the wall
1: yeah in my notes i've said a lot of this could have been avoided if the bad guys had checked corners Um,
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah it was it just it was just bad they didn't. They didn't, They didn't clock it, or they didn't have enough time or money to do another take. Mm, yeah. It just yeah. It, it, every so often, something like that's going to slip in the net, but it wasn't great.
0: No, it weren't. It weren't. But again, I, I'm I'm okay with it because we're getting to the end of the story now, and things are happening quickly. Things are really accelerating through this last episode, whereas we had a lot of uh, meandering, as you said, Dan, re- re- really well put earlier. A lot of meandering around in other episodes. This one feels like it's got a real tempo to it, a real pace as we're sort of accelerating through and all these these different stories of Barbara and Jen and being off in the truck and Ian disappearing off to this this mine with, with other people and the Doctor and Susan, David, Tyler, elsewhere and all this sort of stuff. They're all kind of coming together now in, in this kind of final, I, I suppose the climax of the story, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I, I always like when, when TV shows do this, It's it's the threads... The narrative threads all coming together to uh, for the big conclusion. It's it sort of emerged over time. we we know what's happening now, and it and now it's time for the action to kick in. So I can forgive the sort of bit where it feels like it's meandering, because it, it does lead to something which I can't really fault. And it this all gets um, all gets very hectic now, doesn't it? Because it's yeah. um, Barbara and Jenny are trying to escape, and there's Susan and David, you know, sort of tampering with cables and trying to immobilize immobilize Daleks. The doctor's fiddling with a scanner. Um, we have a, a half decent shot of, uh, of Tyler through the Daleks' eyestalk. Um, but I think, I think Tyler then gets exterminated. Um, yeah, I think so. The, the prisoners are released. David shooting bombs that severs that sever cables. There's a some reading that's overheating, and everything's just going wrong for the Daleks, and it's all very hectic. With and seems like there's a lot going on. And it's got a very dramatic soundtrack, but I swear to God, Kevin Dunn from WWE was in charge of, of editing this. Piece. There were so many camera cuts. <laughs> we're here, we're there, we're up here, we're down there. We're, oh my, what the shit is going on? Yeah, and it, it, yeah, it wasn't um, wasn't for me. Let's say, no. <laughs> the way that was all shot and put together.
0: I mean, effectively, I mean, I guess we'll kind of just summarise the end of the, the, the Daleks here in this story. The Doctor and uh, Barbara effectively order the Robo-Men via the, the radio signals that are controlling them to turn on the Daleks, which they do. The Robo-Men all start attacking the Daleks. The human slaves that start attacking the Daleks as well. The the, the rebels, the resistance force are there. There are slaves in the mine. So basically, all of these different groups are working together to attack the Daleks and take them down. The, the bomb effectively goes off without going down to where it needs to be and kills off the, the Dalek fleet like that. Just just dealt with, done, bang, gone. And yeah, that's in a kind giant, of...
1: Yeah. Giant volcanic explosion, really. And we see some uh, some stock footage of explosions and landslides and magma and buildings falling and the uh, the sources caught in the upward thrust of the explosion. No Dalek survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's it, a volcanic eruption in England. Yeah. In London, in Chelsea. Yeah, (laughs) you know we don't know we don't know where the mine is.
2: Although the mine was is it Bedfordshire the
1: mine somewhere around there. Yeah, Yeah. still weird, but yeah, yeah. And then we're sort of going in. Tyler's reminiscing about Dortmund and and things like that, and dedicating to rebuilding Earth and Mm. the 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 song. I'll get Big Ben working again very quickly. And uh it's the British way, mate, that's what's gotta be done. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, <laughs> we, in times of trouble we just need that uh, we just need that big bell to chime. Yeah. That's um, it. <laughs> but, yeah, we are getting into sort of what we've been expecting for a few episodes now, and it's uh it's Susan uh about to leave, aren't we?
0: Yeah, and I I'm, I'm really intrigued to to speak with people who, who listen to the show who may have seen this at the time, first time around. Because this was the first companion to, to leave the show. This was the first of the Doctor's companions. To, I mean, we obviously had God knows how many now come and go. Some are in it for a couple of episodes. Some are in it for years. Whatever. Some some are in it across a couple of regenerations, for example, and see and, and uh, companions with different incarnations of the Doctor. But this is the very first companion to leave the show, and the way it's done. I think is 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 fantastic. I, I love this this whole scene, David. Uh, sorry, uh, the whole scene. William Hartnell's speech when he's in the TARDIS. Yeah, it, just just everything about it is because Susan's torn, isn't she? She wants to stay with David. David begs her to stay uh, and marry him. Effectively, Susan is torn. She doesn't want to leave her grandfather, but at the same time, she loves David. The Doctor. Basically, takes a shoe off Susan and says that he's going to go and repair it because there's something damaged on her shoe, mm. isn't there? So yeah. he goes into the TARDIS, but locks her out. Yeah,
1: he, he, he's effectively he, making her mind up he, for he, her, isn't it? Yeah, I was just about to say he makes the decision for her because he doesn't want her to be conflicted. He wants her. He's come to the conclusion that he that she needs her own life, and you know, and he, he wants to. He doesn't want to stand in the way of that. Mm. Yeah, and he gives her an incredibly. Uh, one of the first sort of iconic speeches in Doctrine. This has been replayed for years. It came into, um, it came into later episodes. I believe David Bradley um, did, uh, did a f- almost a full rendition of it when he played William Hartnell in one of the um, sort of dramatized yeah. documentary uh, that dramatized documentary thing, which was, was fantastic. Actually, I need to remember what the name of that was and go back and watch it. And, I've, I've done what I normally do, and I've, I've ended up, tra- I've transcribed it. And okay. he, he okay. says, I won't go through the whole thing. But I mean, what, I'll do, what I'll do as well, Dan, I mean, for the purpose you, of
0: us, our, our conversation, please, by all means, carry on. But at the end of the episode, if people hang around for after our music disappears, done by the excellent Borat Mitosich, once that music finishes, I'll, try, I'll tag a bit of the audio on the end anyway, if anyone wants to hear it. But for the purpose of the episode and us talking now, yeah, please carry on.
1: Yeah, when he says, during all the years I've been taking care of you, you in return have been taking care of me. And then Susan's getting quite emotional and and, and upset, saying that she that she belongs with him. Um, She's
0: staring up at the, scre- the, the camera screen, yes. isn't she? Because the Doctor's yeah. looking, watching her. And I think that is so, that's symbolic as well, because they're having this really tender moment, but there's this wall dividing them. Yeah. And I think that really is quite, quite quite symbolic of of the situation
1: it is yeah and and symbolic of how the doctor views a lot of the world really mm. uh, particularly through the regenerations there's always there's always this barrier we we said it in the Jodie Whittaker episode when uh, when she said about you know it's not a, it's not a flat team structure it's her at the top making the hard decisions, yeah, and that's we see now that that's been true from day one really um but the doctor's saying, you know, you're still my grandchild, you always will be, but you're a woman now, I want you to belong somewhere, to have roots of your own, um, you know, to find those roots with David and all the rest of it. And he he has quite a sweet line, which says, believe me, my dear, your future lies with David, not with a silly old duffer like me.
0: Yeah, yeah. oh, that's lush, isn't it?
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then you get into the iconic line, which has been repeated, sort of like noise, was, one day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. And she says, goodbye, Susan. Goodbye, my dear. And it's it's, quite, it's really quite emotional and really yeah, very effective. It is. it is. It's really, uh,
0: yeah, it's so well done. And again, I suppose quite, quite symbolic of the scenario. Susan just drops her TARDIS key.
1: Yeah.
0: On the floor. And and off she goes with David, in only one shoe, obviously, because the doctor took her shoe into the TARDIS. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, you've had that big emotional thing, and you're just like, the silly bastard never give her a shoe back. Yeah, exactly. She's got one shoe. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think there's going to be many shops open, or just, you know, convenient cobblers no. just, just no. over there.
0: Never mind, never mind, never mind. (laughs) And that was that's it then, really, the Dalek invasion of Earth. Uh, So, to sort of summarise, Dan, what what did you think first time watching Hartnell as the Doctor? I assume first time watching this serial,
1: it's Doctor Who, so I always enjoy it on some level. It, I enjoyed it from sort of what it means to Doctor Who going forward, you know, from that historical view as well of you know the first companion leaving, the iconic speeches at the end, and the footage that we've seen. For decades, that I've never really sort of known where it fitted everything. Um, it was a bit meandering. It was a mm. bit sort of slow at times, and certain characters were ultimately a, a little bit pointless. Um, but I did like the way everything sort of drew together in the end. So yeah, it, it was one. Of, it was it was a decent episode. It was uh, sorry, it was a decent serial. Um, I think the the final part is definitely one of the better episodes in general yeah um so it was sort of above average but not by much uh overall for me um the good bits were really good the bad bits were were ropey and i suppose a lot of it just commits the uh commits the sin of, of being a, a bit middle of the road and forgettable really so it all it all balances out probably if i had to give it a numerical rating it'd, it'd probably be around a around a six out of a ten
0: yeah okay I I really enjoyed this. Yeah, okay, we we poked a bit of fun at it here and there, uh, as I said throughout the episode. But I thought this was great. I loved it. I love I love going back and seeing where things began. Mm. I I, do, I, do, I think it's I suppose I'm a bit of a weirdo like that. I mean, with Doctor Who, I love Doctor Who, so I will go back and watch old Doctor Who. But it's like one day I, I, I'm not into soap operas or anything like that. But EastEnders was always on when I was a kid. It's been on for decades. It's a British institution in the similar way Doctor Who is, I suppose. One day I just decided I- I'm going to go and watch the first ever episode of EastEnders. And I ended up watching three or four of the, f- the first, you know, the first <laughs> episodes. Just because I was like, well, I want to see how it started. You know, so seeing Doctor Who like this, obviously it's not the very beginning, but it's where it began-ish. Mm. I love that. And then seeing the first companion leave and how that was uh, just, I-, I really, really enjoyed this, mate. I-, I had a great time watching this back. It was brilliant.
1: Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I can't fault you for that. If, you know, like if that that aspect of things is what you're into, then then it scratches the itch, really, doesn't it? It's it's balanced. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, absolutely. It's fair enough.
0: Okay, so then I suppose uh, as as we have said off recording, Dan, to sort of get us back into our regular pattern of classic Who, New Who, and and, and so on, because of my gigantic screw up last week and we have to sort of change the plans because I lost all my notes and this episode should have been covered last week and this week we should have been covering your episode which was Day of the Doctor and it would have made it still ran as it was supposed to um it does mean we get another classic who in our next episode now we're kind of coming to the end of our first season now so doctors wise we're kind of whittling it down down aren't we so the last few now
1: yeah I think you've got um per- uh, John Pertwee Colin Baker Peter Davidson left that's right yeah yeah and I've got I've now got Paul McGann David Tennant and Matt Smith
0: oh see, there's some good ones there when Tennant and Smith there's gonna be some good stuff there. And,
1: I know exa- I know exactly what we're doing do you yeah yeah oh I'm intrigued I, I've got them picked have you really? Okay. And the, the, the two of my absolute favourite episodes ever.
0: Uh, okay. See, I've got the, the next one picked, and I've got my Peter Davidson story picked. But the John Pirot one I'm still undecided upon. So I'm going to do a bit more uh, looking into that to see which one we're going to go with with oh, John right. But Come um, on, man. give it to me. What are we doing? This, this time, we are going to be going with Colin Baker, which is funny because we had a little talk about him earlier on in the episode. Uh, and we're going to be revisiting a, an old favourite, I suppose. Um, as we just looked at the Daleks here, we're going to go back and look at another Cyberman story. And we're going to look okay. at a 1985 Attack of the Cybermen tale with Colin Baker as the Doctor. It's I have re-watched it. Since, since Britbox became a thing, I kind of jumped around and watched various different episodes. I've watched this one since having my Britbox subscription just for the classic Doctor Who. I loved it, and as soon as we started doing this 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 podcast, my Colin Baker story was going to be this or whatever, and I've literally just did it, at this moment plumped for this one. I think this is the better of the two. So
1: <laughs> great stuff! Can't wait to get into it. Love a Cyberman. Uh, I'm like I said before, very intrigued to get to uh, to Colin Baker. So it'll be it'll be an education as always. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's it's done slightly different as well. It's not like the twenty five minute. 20 25 minute episodes and there's five or six of them mm. this was shown twice a week so at this stage doctor who was on i think it was a tuesday and a thursday night okay. and it was a 45 minute long episode so you have effectively you've got two episodes but they're 45 minutes rather than being four episodes of 2025 if that makes sense
1: yeah it makes perfect sense why not i never knew it went bi-weekly
0: yeah yeah it didn't yeah i think it's saw that some of the sylvester mccoy era as well was still Mm. bi-weekly i think but yeah yeah there we go that's where we will be heading to next week so if anyone's watching along with us following along etc etc attack of the cybermen from 1985 i believe it is series 22 if you're looking on britbox to try and make it easier for people to find but have a watch of that before our show comes out next week and uh we can have a little discussion about it, Dan, and enjoy some Colin Baker craziness.
1: I'm expecting some top-quality woo beat boop <laughs> Brilliant stuff.
0: Before we depart, my friend, do you want to let everybody know whereabouts they can find you, all your awesome content, your podcasts, and so on?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Griffin 21 usually tweeting about uh, wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. Uh, this week saw my probably 20th watch of Jason Hector, and I felt the need to tell the world about that. So there you go. That's an no, insight. I've never seen it. it. You, you shouldn't. Nobody should watch it as much as I have. It's <laughs> so, so Bad It's Good should be the tagline of that film. It's, 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 okay. I, I love it. Uh, but anyway, uh, so you can find me on Twitter there. Uh, you can also hear me on uh, Unbooking the Territory, which I, uh, I co-host with UTT Rob. Uh, you can find us on all, pla- all, all podcast platforms, as well as on Twitter at UTT Podcast. Uh, through there, you can also find our side project, which is Unbooking the Tankatory, where we're chatting the ups and downs of the, uh, the in-ring career of Tank Abbott um we do have a rough a very rough plan of where we're going when we finish up with tank Abbott, but i'll save that for another day um you can also hear me and rob on the that 90s wrestling podcast uh playlist on primetime conversations uh not quite sure if that's going to be um audio only or on the youtube channel so uh, go give james a follow on uh, on all the platforms give it a like share subscribe on youtube follow the twitter account at primetime convos and get it downloaded onto your podcast feeds
0: there we go. Okay. You can find me at SJP Words on Twitter and Facebook. There is a group there, SJP All the Shows and Info. By following those, you get links to all the, so- the shows I'm involved in Nitro Nights, looking back at WCW one show at a time, Chain Wrestling that I do live on a Monday night, and the podcast version comes out later in the week the waiting room podcast about quantum leap episode by episode season two is well underway now being recorded. So hopefully that'll be with you all very soon. Uh, yeah. So yeah, at SJP words for all of that, but most importantly you can follow this show on Facebook and Twitter at the doctor who pod as at the Dr who pod for all your doctor who goodness from us to awesome, awesome individuals. Don't look so confused. I mean you. <laughs> no,
1: sorry, I, just, I, I I saw my phone out of the car and I just got a text. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> I, uh, I right. am, I'm nothing if not professional. Sat here on my there bed, uh, trying, trying <laughs> not to, with my thighs screaming as I've been sat in a squatting position for nearly two hours. <laughs> Brilliant.
0: <laughs> uh okay. No, then. So that that concludes our our last black and white look back. I suppose on Pertwee is all in colour. I think so. Yeah, that's our last yeah. black and white look back. Uh, next week we're a little bit more modern with attack of the cybermen colin baker looking forward to that so dan thank you so so much again mate i've had a whale
1: of a time so have i mate it's a pleasure as always it's great to finally talk about this the notes have been open on my laptop for for what feels like forever staring me in the face i reckon uh, i reckon it's
0: about six weeks six weeks we did this first
1: yeah, six weeks. I think you might be. Right. I was going to be play it safe and say four, but I think you might be right. <laughs> I think we are. Yeah, there we go.
0: There we go. Okay, and to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening.
1: Bye
2: bye. please. I've double locked the doors. You can't get in. Now move back, child, where I can see you. During all the years, I've been taking care of you. You in return have been taking care of me. Grandfather, I belong with you. Not any longer, Susan. You're still my grandchild and always will be. But now, you're a woman too. I want you to belong somewhere, to have roots of your own. With David, you'll be able to find those roots and live normally like any woman should do. Believe me, my dear, your future lies with David and not with a silly old buffer like me. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, There must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Goodbye, Susan. Goodbye, my dear.